It was Friday night. It was a beautiful night, just a couple nights ago, and we were on our way from Algoma here at the church to Green Bay, and somebody was following me, and I knew somebody was following me when we left the church, and, and we, were, we were traveling along the road, and, and somebody was putzing along, and, and then we finally got, they finally turned off, and so they, they were out of the picture, and then we were able to go the speed limit, and uh, on, our, on our way to Green Bay, uh, so we were, we were right there, right at, that, right at the speed limit, and, and moving, moving nice, and then all of a sudden, we came up on a, a, man, a manure tanker. And uh, they, they were going a little slow, and it just, it just smelled. It was, it was just, you never want to be behind a poop truck, and that's where we found ourselves, just, just behind this truck that was going slow, and it smelled, and I'm like, oh, no. So I had an opening, and I went and I passed them, and as soon as I got in the other lane, I remembered, oh, yeah, some, somebody's following me. Uh, now... Now, I'll have you know, it was fine. It was fine. No laws were broken. And they were able to also pass. Now, they might have broken some laws. Uh, but they were also able to pass the, the manure tanker. And we made it to Green Bay and had a lovely evening. Well, my wife, was she was, she was making fun of me a little bit. And, and she said, well, you, you always, you always are, are eager to pass. And I said, Brooklyn, I am not always eager to pass. And then we were at dinner. With, with the whole family, and my son chimed in, hey, Dad. I'm like, yeah, buddy? Remember the four cars in a dump truck? <laughs> so let's rewind. My parents were in town for a visit, and they wanted to go up north on the peninsula. My dad is not a good driver, not a good driver at all, and I just don't like to ride with people who aren't good drivers. So I said, Dad, let me drive. He's like, oh, it's my car, son. I'll be all right. And I'm like, but you don't know where you're going. It can be real confusing. There's two roads. I'm like, it can be real confusing. It can be real confusing up, up the peninsula. He's, he's like, all right. So he threw me the keys. So we're traveling up the peninsula, and we are at a very low rate of speed, annoyingly low. And I recognize there are some people who have no propensity to relax in life, and some people who are constantly in a hurry, and some people who just move on to the next thing and can never stop and smell the roses. I am not that person, but there are some people who are like that. That's not me, but I also don't like to be in a massive row where people are going really, just how hard is it? Pull over, let the people go around you, and then get back on your merry little way and putz along. That's fine, but nobody was doing that, and I'm stuck, and then I saw the opening. And so I took the opening, and I thought there were a couple cars, and what I thought were a couple cars turned out to be four, and a dump truck, but we made it. And we were fine, and we were clear, and everyone was great, even though my dad was in the back holding onto the handle with both hands, and his legs were off the floor like, that's going to do something? I don't know what you think that's going to do, but whatever works for you. He's gripping on for dear life, and he's like, I am never riding with you again. And I looked back, and none of the other cars were willing to pass the dump truck. They were all just sitting there in line. Sometimes in life, sometimes in life, people are willing to go with you. 
And maybe it's just the manure tanker. Maybe that's the reason that people are willing to go with you. But sometimes in life, you're going to go and there are going to be other people who just aren't willing to follow along. And that's something that we see this morning as we continue our look at the early church and the way the Spirit of God worked through the apostles and building up the church and all these incredible things that happened so that the work of God could continue to move. And we've been looking at the book of Acts over the course of the last few weeks, and that's where we're going to be today as well. And we're going to pick up Acts in Acts chapter 5, verse 12. If you have your phones or your tablets, I'd invite you to follow along with us in the Bible app. It's a great resource that you can download in whatever app store you utilize. And once it's installed on your device, one of the features within the Bible app is called Events. There you can either enable your locations or just type in 54201, or you can write out Lakeside Community Church, Algoma, Wisconsin. There will pop up. You can follow along with us that way. If you have a traditional Bible with you this morning, again, we're going to be in the New Testament book of Acts, Acts chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 12. If you're joining us via the stream, thanks so much for joining us. My name is Brian. I'm part of the team here at Lakeside. We are glad that you're joining us. The verses will be available for you on the screen below. Just a quick summary before we dive in this morning to where we've been. Acts chapter 1, the hope of Jesus is revealed. Jesus, he has risen from the dead and he tells his followers, go and make disciples where you are across the region to the uttermost parts of the world. Go and take this message. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes, the church is formed. Acts chapter 3, miraculous things happen. Acts chapter 4, all of a sudden people aren't excited about the miraculous things. The religious rulers and leaders of the day, they are not eager at all about what God is doing and what's happening, so they imprison Peter and John. Acts chapter 5 started last week, we saw, where Ananias and Sapphira were not forthcoming about what God was fully doing in their life, and they were trying to become the, they were trying to become the attention instead of the work of God, and, and they lied to the Holy Spirit, and, and God took them out. Uh, and, and that's where we left off last week at the end of Acts, uh, the beginning part of Acts chapter 5, and we jump in right on the heels of that in Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 12 this morning, where we read these words. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. And, and so some time passes here after Ananias and Sapphira, some time passes, and what we see is continually the Spirit of, through the power of the Holy Spirit that is in the apostles apostles that they are regularly doing the miraculous. They are regularly seeing the miraculous done. And, and all of this is going on, and they gather together regularly in Solomon's portico, part of the temple. They gather regularly. They proclaim the hope of Jesus. God is showing up through them supernaturally, through his Holy Spirit. He is healing people. Things, signs and wonders are happening. People are, are speaking in, in the spiritual gift of tongues. They're speaking in, in other languages that is not their first language to them. Just God supernaturally gives them the ability to communicate in a way that other people who were there could fully understand the miraculous is occurring. And this is normative. This is normative. And this is going on day in and day out. It's regularly done. And then we get to verse 13. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. 
None of the rest dared join them, but the people there held them in high esteem. So people are seeing what's going on. They're hearing the message of Jesus proclaimed, but they're not willing, they're not willing to take that step. They're not willing to respond in faith. But they, they can't turn away. And they're still there. And they're seeing what God is doing. They're seeing what's happening, but they are not willing to be all in. They're not willing to follow after Jesus. And what I want to remind you of over the course of today as we continue our look through the book of Acts is this truth that we all know in our minds. We all know it in our minds, but, but it's, just, it's important that we bring it to the forefront of our minds and it's important that we be reminded of this thing. And this thing is simply this. That we are not responsible to convert anybody Conversion is the work of God. We are not responsible to convert anybody. What we are responsible to is always be ready to give an account for the hope that we have, to always be ready to tell people about the transformation that Jesus has made in our lives, to always be ready to share about the hope of Jesus that we possess. But converting people is not our responsibility. That is the responsibility of God. And when we share with people the hope of Jesus, some people are going to make the decision to follow after God. And some people are going to shake their heads and they're going to be like, yeah, that's, that's not really for me. And yet this is a call for us to live in such a way that even those people that shake their heads and say, nah, that, that's really not for me, would still look at our lives and hold us in high esteem. Because that's what's going on here. Not everybody who hears the message of the apostles, not everybody who sees the work of God through the apostles instantaneously gives their hearts and their lives to Christ. And yet they look at what's going on with the apostles, these apostles who've just been very publicly arrested, and they still hold them in high esteem. So as people that love and follow Jesus, let's make sure that we are the most generous, we are the most joyful, we are the most kind, we are the most compassionate, we are the most approachable. Let's make sure that essentially we're just really good people. And it's not because of what we do in and of ourselves, but it's because of what God has done in and through us. Scripture tells us that God is the very essence, the very being of love. As people that, that follow after God and love God, we, we, should be, we should be described in the very same way. Now, now, sometimes people think, well, in order for that to happen, then I just need to live, I just need to live a, a quiet and subdued life, and, and I just need to be, I, I just need to be a pacifist in everything, and I just need to let people walk all over me. Is that what we're talking about? Not at all. And we're going to see that as Acts chapter 5 unfolds this morning. But what we are called to do is we are called to live lives in such a way that people would look at our lives and hold us in high esteem because of the way that we live our lives. So live in such a way that even people that do not share your faith in Jesus would look at you and still respect you and still respect the life that you lead. 
verse 14. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. And more than ever, what we see is day in and day out, people are added to the gospel. People have, have, have responded. Men and women, everyone is responding here. And this is just a reminder that Jesus is for everyone. Jesus is for everyone. And they are proclaiming that hope to people. And people are responding. So that, verse 15 says, they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. There is no other description, there is no other explanation for this other than this, that God is simply doing the miraculous. That God is doing the miraculous. And he's, he's choosing to utilize the apostles, he's choosing to utilize Peter to the point that you have sick people who are brought out and they, if, if Peter's shadow... If Peter's shadow crosses over them, they are healed. This is, this is incredible. This is incredible the way that God is using them. And we can look at this and, and we can, it can blow our minds, and it should. But, but here's something that I want us to note. Because I don't know about you, but God has not chosen to gift me in such a way that that if somebody hits my shadow, they're healed. He hasn't. He, he, hasn't gift, he hasn't gifted me that. He's not given me the spiritual gift of healing. And, and so if, if my shadow hits somebody and they're sick, they're still sick. And if it's a hot day, they might feel a little bit better just because they're in the shadow. But that's it. That's the extent that I, that I can do. I, I do not have that spiritual gift. And, and maybe you don't. So you're like, okay, well, we'll just move on. But, but don't just move on. Don't just move on. Check this out. That there are people who are bringing the sick. There are people bringing those with unclean spirits. That's friendship. That's love. That's neighboring. That people are willing to be in the trenches with people who are afflicted and people who are sick. They're saying, come with me. Come with me. It's not a, hey, just, just go down to the temple and go see this guy named Peter. No, it's not that. The invitation is this. You come with me. I'm bringing you. And this is what we've been called to be. That we are to be in the trenches. That we, are to, that we are to serve the marginalized. That we are to serve the maligned. That we are to go shoulder to shoulder. And we're to be there. So that we're the people that are telling other people, you come with me. You come with me. I don't have the ability. I don't have the spiritual gift to heal somebody by my shadow. But every single one of us has the ability to be people that link arms with somebody. And our message is, hey, you. You come with me. You come with me. And so as you're talking about the hope of Jesus that you possess, and, and maybe you're like, I, I can't put it all into words. I, I get jumbled up. I, I get frustrated. Hey, here's what you can do. Say, hey, 
I go to this place called Lakeside. Don't just tell them about it. Invite them to come with you. Invite them to invite them to say, hey, if you need a ride, I'll, I'll pick you up. If, let's, let's go to church and then let's go get brunch afterwards. Come with me. Come with me. And let's make sure that as people that love and follow Jesus, that we're there. We're beside people that other people dismiss. We're beside people in their moments of need, when life is difficult, when people are sick. And we're the people that say, hey, you come with me. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. So the apostles are being faithful and obedient to what God has called them to do. They're facing opposition from, again, the religious leaders and rulers because this was a direct, a direct threat on their power, and they're rejected vehemently. The apostles are rejected vehemently. Now, earlier, we saw some people rejecting what they were doing, but they were still favorable of their opinion. And here we see some people who are rejecting vehemently what the apostles are doing, and they are not favorable of their opinion. So what changed? What changed? Well, it isn't what the apostles did. It isn't the message that they were sharing. It isn't the works that God was doing through them. That didn't change. What changed is the audience. What changed is the audience's reception. And this is why it is so damaging. It is so damaging when you allow the, the thoughts and the impact of other people, what other people think of you, to determine your value and your self-worth and to dictate the choices that you're going to make in life, if you constantly walk on eggshells and think, oh, well, that's going to that's gonna offend somebody, so I can't do that. Living is going to offend somebody. It just is. You can't get around it. And so just break out of this prison where you are constantly worried about, well, what's this person going to think of me? Because it's the same message and the same work of God. And you have some people who look at it and say, no, I'm not going to follow after Jesus, but I still really respect those guys. I still really respect those women. I still really respect how they live their lives and what they're doing. And you have another audience who says, they've got to be stopped. They're a danger. We live in a time, and, and we know this, where outrage is, is just the, it's, it's the hobby of the day. And if you live your life constantly worried that, that somebody's going to be offended by truth, then what happens is, is we, just, we just isolate. And we just stay silent. People that follow Jesus, people that love Jesus, I'm just here to tell you, there are going to be people that hear, that hear the hope that you have, that hear your message. There are going to be some people that respond. There are going to be some people that say, yeah, that's not really for me, but I, I really respect you. And there are going to be some people who hear the message and say, ah, you're so hateful. And the call for us is to live our lives in such a way that even those people that choose to hate us can't produce the evidence. But 
But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Remember this, if you face opposition, when you face people that don't like you, don't like what you have to say, God is always greater. God is always greater. Here they, here they are, they are, they're, they're arrested, they're arrested again, they're put into public, they're put into public prison, and during, a, during the night, an angel comes, opens up the prison doors. It's like, yeah, jailbreak, <laughs> that's cool. So we on the run? What are we doing? We're going to go be fugitives? I mean, it's kind of exciting. Go be fugitives? Some of you are like, what's wrong with you, Brian? Why would it be exciting to be a fugitive? Just like, yeah, bust, bust out of jail. It's an adventure. What, what are we going to get to go do? The angel says, hey, uh, you know where you were arrested? Yeah. Let's go back there. And let's keep doing what we were doing. Now, you really can't argue because God just busted you out of prison. So what are you going to do? Like, you, you can't really argue. But you got to be scratching your head a little bit. Like, really? We're, we're going to do, do this again? And they go back. They go back. And they continue sharing the message of the hope of Jesus. They went where God called them to go. And, and I don't know what, what exactly God's calling you to do. But what I know is you got to do it. And if you face opposition, that's okay. You just do what God's called you to do. Because he's greater. And if it's the equivalent of you being thrown into prison, go to prison. If God wants, he'll bust you out. Just You just be obedient to what God has called you to do. Now when the high priests came and those who were with them, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering, this, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. So go check the prison, and it's securely locked, and the guards are standing there, and they open up the doors, and they're gone. There's no one inside. And sometimes when God works, sometimes when God works, it's through providence, and we can explain it. But sometimes when God works, God is a supernatural God. And sometimes when God works, it's totally supernatural. And there is, no, there is no rational explanation for what we have just seen or what, we, what has just occurred. The only explanation is that we serve a supernatural God. And that's exactly what's going on here. 
that a supernatural God works miraculously and supernaturally. And people are perplexed. They can't explain it. The only explanation is God. So we continue. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. This is, this is fascinating. They couldn't forcefully detain them. They couldn't forcefully detain them because they knew there would be an uprising. And if we remember what a lot of the difficulty that went on with the trial and the arrest of Jesus, what, what predicated a lot of that was this fear. Was this fear that there would be a riot? Was this fear that there would be an uprising? Because the Roman government didn't want to have to deal with it. They didn't want to have to deal with the region. They wanted things to be peaceful. They wanted things to be put into place where power was not pushed up against. And so everybody who was in power lived in constant fear that if things go awry here, then I'm going to be removed. And all of a sudden, they, they're recognizing we cannot go into the temple and forcefully arrest Peter and John because if we forcefully arrest them, we're gonna, our guards are going to be killed. That's going to be the uprising. And they say, we told you not to do this, but you continue to do this. And notice what happens. The word of the hope of Jesus, the word of God, it continues to spread. We told you to shut up. We told you to stop talking about Jesus, but you continue to talk about Jesus. And now all of Jerusalem is filled it's filled with the knowledge and the hope of Jesus. And this is, this is vital to remember. Because go back to Acts chapter 1. And what did Jesus tell us? He said, go to Jerusalem. That's the first step. And then to the region. And then to the uttermost parts of the world. And here we see that the first part of that has been fulfilled. And this is going to be vitally important to remember as we continue our journey through the book of Acts, that step one has now been complete. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Their response to the rulers was, we don't care. We're going to obey God. Think about it. God just busted them out of prison. What are you going to do? We will obey God. We heard you. We heard what you had to say. We heard you when you said, stop speaking in the name of Jesus. 
But our response is no. Our response is no. And there may come a time in your life where you are, you are faced with a proposition. And it, it might be court. It might be a, a work format. It might be a family dynamic. It, it might be a friendship where essentially you are told, hey, just slay off this Jesus thing. And you've got a choice to make. And only you can make that choice. But there will probably come a time at some point in your life where you're going to have to make that decision. And what they choose, and what we should choose, and I hope you'll choose, is they say, we've heard you, but we choose to obey God. And we're going to spend our time exalting Christ. That's our response. We have heard you, but we choose to lift up the name of Jesus. And when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. They want to kill them right there. And they're just saying, we're not compromising the message. And when they don't compromise the message, the, the rulers of the day, they wanted to kill them. And Gamaliel shows up and he says, time out, let's all just take a breather. Head outside. And Gamaliel said to them, men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Thaddeus rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. Gamaliel says, hey, let's remember all these cults that have already happened. Remember these cults? And, and we, we can point to some high-profile cults in, in our time. Remember David Koresh in, in Waco. And if, if you don't remember him, there's about 14 miniseries about him right now on various streaming platforms. And, and before, before David Koresh, there was the guy with the Kool-Aid. I, I, his name escapes me. You know, so there, there's, 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 all, there's all these things. And Gamaliel says, that, remember, remember these cults? These guys have, have risen up. They've been able to get some people to follow after him. And then what happens? Nothing happens. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. But if it's of God, you won't stop it. And that's the hope I want us to live our lives with. If it's of God, it will not be stopped. And we can look sometimes and we can see every reason why it shouldn't happen. And we can see every opposition that's going to stand in the way. And we can give people a million reasons why this won't work and this shouldn't work and this can't work. But make no mistake about it. If it's of God, it's going to happen. And so let's just live our lives with the optimism and the fact that if it's of God... 
It's going to work. It's going to work. And we can, we can be naysayers and we can say, oh, there's a million reasons why it shouldn't work. But if it's of God, there's one reason, and, and it's the only reason that matters why it will work. Because God is supernatural. And God is in control. And if it's of God, it cannot be stopped. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. They counted themselves worthy. To suffer for the name Jesus. There's no self pity. There's no victimization. There's no, hey God, you know, you could have just left me in prison where I wasn't beaten, or we could have been fugitives out on the run. There, there's none of that. They are beaten, and their mindset is, thank God that we are worthy to suffer for the name. And here's what you might be thinking in the back of your mind. Because here's what I think in the back of my mind sometimes. And if you don't think this, then you're just a better Christian than me. And that's really cool, and I mean that. That is really cool. But here's, here's what I think in the back of my mind sometimes. You know, God, you're all-powerful. You're supernatural. How about we go back to that time when the angel came in and just slipped the prison door open? Let's do more of that and less of the beatings, okay? Let, let's do more of prison doors opening and maybe some supernatural hedge of protection where I'm beaten. Maybe if my own shadow hits me, the beating doesn't hurt since, since your, work, your spirit's working through me and, and healing other people when they, they, they hit my shadow. God, let's do more of that. And less of this. That's not what we see. And there are going to be seasons of your life and there are going to be situations that you go through. And you're going to say, God, you could fix this. God, you could change this. God, you could make all of this perfect. Where are you? What are you doing? And the tears are going to flow or you're just going to be mad and you're just going to start punching something. And what's going to happen is you're going to start to wonder, God, do you care? Why? And I don't have the answer for why God allowed them to be beaten. 
I don't have the answer for why God doesn't just supernaturally show up anytime we find ourselves in the equivalence of a prison. Slide that door open. And let us walk out. I can't give you that answer. But what I can tell you is if we'll have the mindset that they had, our lives will be incredible. That if we can get to the point where we follow God no matter where He calls us to go and what He calls us to do, and when we suffer and when we are beaten, if we can have the mindset that says, thank you, God, that you counted me worthy to suffer for your name, you won't have a bad day. This is what it looks like when we really recognize that following after God will make us uncomfortable sometimes. It will, it will lead us to go places we naturally don't want to go. But there's no greater life and there's no greater choice that we can make. And so we have to choose. Will we choose to follow after God when it's hard. And what will our mindset be? God, I pray that we will be people that are willing to follow you, no matter where you call us to go and what you call us to do. God, we are reminded of the fact that if you are in it, if you are for it, it cannot be stopped. And God, we believe that this region desperately needs transformed. And we know it's your desire that none should perish, but all should have a saving relationship with you, which is available through faith in your son, Jesus. And so God, we just commit ourselves corporately and individually as Lakeside and as people of Lakeside. God, work through us, please. Let us see this region transformed. Let us live in such a way that, that people look at us, and even if they don't agree with us, they respect us. But God, when the opposition comes, may we not back down. May we not shy away. May we never be frightened or scared. May we leave it up to you. And God, when you act supernaturally and you protect us, we rejoice. And God, when you allow us to suffer, may we get to the point where in our minds we say, thank you, God. Even still, thank you, God. God, help us when we don't understand why you do what you do. Help us when we don't understand why we're in the state that we're in. Help us when we've called out to you for months and years and decades and it feels like you're far. Help us still trust. And help us live for your glory. Even then, Jesus.